Welcome, and thanks for joining us for this episode of the C3 Church Podcast. You're about to listen into a message from one of our gatherings. To find out more about our community, where we gather both in person and online, and how to get involved, head to cfreechurch.ca. Now, let's listen into a message from a recent service. Good morning. How are we doing? Swell. Very responsive this morning. I like this. This is great. I can get used to this. Um, this is not centered. Give me one sec. All right. I know that's on the camera too, so it's like should be on the camera. Um, cool. I'm really excited to be here, as as always. Not just to be here like speaking, but to be here in church. It's pretty great. Uh, cool. Cool, 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 cool. Trying to like get my notes to go full screen. I should have like planned this before, but you know what? That's fine. We'll just make it, well, I'm making it worse. We'll make it work. Apparently, I live my life with technology, but I still can't figure it out in the moment. Um, if I haven't had the opportunity to meet you, I'm Jeremy. Uh, I feel like I've met most of you. So for the people online that I haven't met, I'm Jeremy. I've had the absolute privilege to be part of this church for a very long time. Um, I was trying to figure it out, and I still don't know. But between 10 and 15 years is like what I'm going with. Um, it is, but it's, it's precise enough to mean a long time. Um, and I'm really excited about the series now. Um, but before I actually get into that, I just want to always take the opportunity when I'm like handed a microphone to honor our pastors. They've been relentless in support of every single person, um, fearlessly sacrificing, and have nothing but so much gratitude and just love for you guys. Thank you. And we're in a series, building altars and re-digging wells. Um, you know, Pastor Kimberly had a message here last week. Who remembers the title? That's great. Everyone's hand was raised and shouting at the bit. Uh, what are you digging for? Fun fact, that was my title too. And then I saw that and I was like, all right, that's fine. Um, at least the message was different, but the title was the same. So maybe that's great. Um, I'm going to pray because I need Jesus. And then we'll get started. And I need coffee. Kind of like, there's priorities, but. God, I thank you so much for this opportunity to share what you've placed on my heart. God, I pray that you speak through me this morning, that everything, all the little anecdotes of me, God, that, are just, that they aren't remembered, but that what you want to share leaves an imprint in people's minds. God, I thank you for your presence here this morning and for everything that you're doing here today. Amen. So I'm actually, like I said, really excited for this. This is, I feel like, something God has been working on in me for a few months now. Um, and I encourage you to take notes, not because what I have to say is so great, but because I think God is really trying to do something, and I don't want you to miss out yeah. on that. So the verse for our, uh, the series verse that we have is in Genesis uh, 26, 18 to 25. We're going to read through it. Um, it goes to a little bit of Isaac after the death of his father Abraham. And it says, He reopened the wells his father had dug, which the Philistines had filled in after Abraham's death. Isaac also restored the names Abraham had given them. 
Isaac's servants also dug in the Gerar Valley and discovered a well of fresh water. But then the shepherds from Gerar came and claimed the spring. This is our water, they said. They argued over it with Isaac's herdsmen. So Isaac named the well Essek, which means argument. I have no idea if I'm pronouncing these right. I'm just like going with it. Um, abandoning that one, uh, Isaac's men then dug another well. But again, there was a dispute over it. So Isaac named it Hostility. Abandoning that one, Isaac moved on and dug another well. There's a lot of digging, a lot of persistence in this team. This time, there was no dispute over it. So Isaac named the place, which means open space. For he said, at last the Lord has created enough space for us to prosper in this land. From there, Isaac moved to Beersheba, where the Lord appeared to him on the night of his arrival. I am the God of your father Abraham, he said. Do not be afraid, for I am with you and will bless you. I will multiply your descendants, and they will become a great nation. I do this because of my promise to Abraham, my servant. Then Isaac built an altar and worshiped the Lord. He set up his camp, and his servants dug another well. So in the case of the scripture, that is a physical well that we're referring to. Actual water from the ground. I haven't quite experienced that. Mine usually comes in cups or bottles. Um, in our case, we're going like to apply that in a more of a metaphorical sense where the well might be things that uh, have become like dormant in our spiritual life. Things that need to be renewed, needs to be given like a fresh breath into, redug to keep the metaphor going. Exercise, cultivated. Um, these could be like spiritual gifts, evangelism, generosity, forward moving faith, prayer, worship, showing up, sowing seed. It could be joy. It could be, you know, any of the fruits of the spirit. All these sorts of things could be the pieces that are revealing are just dry. Like they, they were there, but now they're not. And what's really interesting that stuck out to me in this verse is these, first of all, weren't Isaac's wells. He inherited them. The second thing is he didn't fill them. They were filled. Yes. And so he didn't shut them. It wasn't his fault, but it became his responsibility to make sure they were reopened. And there's often things that happen that aren't our fault, but they end up becoming our responsibilities. You know, being laid off might not be your fault. Economy might be rough, but it's your responsibility what you do with it. You know, there's um, a pretty large bank that went through crisis this week in, in Silicon Valley. Um, and there's, I think, the estimate of 40,000 small businesses that, like, have no access to their deposits right now. And about 30... Thousand of them, so the majority of them won't be able to make payroll in 30 days. That's not their fault, but it's their responsibility to figure it out. And here's the interesting thing responsibility and obligation are only separated by purpose. They're inherently the same thing, they feel the same, but the difference is there's a vision in responsibility, there's an intent behind what you're doing. And so it's easy to take things on out of obligation. Um, but obligation, when we collect them and we act out of obligation, it leads to exhaustion. But acting out of responsibility leads to a fulfillment of a vision. It's sort of renewal, renewing within us. So there might be areas of your walk with Jesus this morning, evening, afternoon, whenever you're watching, listening to this, thinking about this, 
that there's parts of your relationship with Jesus that you feel like you're just doing out of habit or out of obligation. You're maybe not doing them because you feel responsible or you feel empowered by a vision to do. Maybe you're praying because you're like, I feel like I should be praying. Maybe you're worshiping because you're like, you know, it says I should worship. So I'm just going to like faithfully do this even though I don't feel it and it feels like an obligation. How's your generosity? You know, how's, how, how are these areas of your life? How's your joy? Are you actually joyous or are you feeling obligated to pretend to be joyous? Because you're like, Jesus is supposed to lead to a life of joy. So pretend to be joyous. And it doesn't mean you're faking it because there's real things that happen. We can also take things on not necessarily out of obligation, but also perhaps for the sake of like comfort or community or conformity or feeling like you're just trying to stay in, but you don't really have a, a revelation of why you're doing this. The right things done for the wrong reasons aren't the right things. So my core takeaway, and now my title, we'll get into it. We renamed it. The title is, This is How Much I Love You. Not you, but this is. <laughs> so this is um, uh, my core takeaway is you're loved first and called second. Yes. And everything comes from within that. So, uh, you know, one of the values we have here at C3 is the honest journey, which is the premise of how you live Sunday is how you live Monday and how you live Wednesday is how you live Sunday. Um, that you're consistent throughout your week in your life. And so part of that is, is um, I felt like for a handful of, I had this realization, I'd say, probably in the summer last year, that there's a lot of things I felt like were happening out of obligation in my life. There were things that I just was doing, and I'm, I like doing a lot of things, but um, when you commit to a lot across the board, they can quickly become, you can lose the vision of what you're trying to accomplish. And so for me, I, I grew up in church. I've been here. Ar arguably, I'd say I was relatively active my entire life. Um, grew up in a Christian family. I feel very grateful um, for that experience. But it, it, there was a few things that I began to feel like were exposed to me in, in, in conversation with people, um, like really close friends that I like, have the strong faith with Jesus as well, and it's important when you're like trying to question things, um, is I had this like really twisted view that I, I imagine whatever God wanted for me is the opposite of what I want, yeah. which that's not, don't clip that, that's not the <laughs> takeaway. Um, and so I, I began to like, as I was walking through this, it became a struggle to imagine sacrificing something. Because I'm like, it feels like I'm giving up all of these things that I can imagine, these dreams, these aspirations, these goals, for something that feels like is less. And that's not the case. And I knew that, but I didn't know that. And so it's, I, I could tell you all the, the one-liners that are like, you know, I never asked you to sacrifice something for something. Like, I, could, I knew all those things, but I didn't know those things. I had no revelation of those things. And so uh, this is sort of the well that, that I've been redigging. And I think redigging the well of the revelation of how loved you are transforms every other aspect of your walk because it shifts you from obligation to responsibility. It adds a vision and a purpose behind every little thing that you're doing. And so 
we were in Atlanta, whenever that was, I feel like a month or two ago, and I was standing there in the worship service, and I was, I was asking God, I was like, you know, am I doing the right thing? Am I like, what am I, what's going on? Help me, I want to want more. You know, I want to be content. I want to not just be content, but I want to thrive. And, and I was trying to like reconcile, because I feel like I can make a pretty good thing up for my life. I feel like I could make a pretty good life for myself until like unexpected things happen. But until that, like, I feel like I got this thing figured out. And so every time I imagined, am I willing to sacrifice this? I could genuinely look in the mirror and say no, which is not the encouraging part of this message, but it was like the real part of the message. You know, it's like, this is, this is like where I was at. And so I was like, God, I just, I don't understand why I don't understand this. You know, like I need more. And he's like, he's like, you just need a revelation of how much I love you. I'm like, go for it. I'm waiting, like, please. And so it's been since that moment, there's been like a handful, every couple of weeks, a little moment where God's like, and this is how much I love you. Where he'd like tell me little things, he'd share little things. I'm not going to go through all of them because arguably they're all really personal, but there's one I'll share also for sake of time. So um, one, of, one of these interactions, these moments that I had with God where he, I, I was in a conversation with another friend of mine and, and we were talking about if we intentionally sin, do we step outside of the grace of God? And I'm not going into that whole subject right now, but this was the conversation because it's real. Um, and as we're going back and forth, he reminded me of this moment in Genesis. Because we're talking like, do we step outside of his favor, his calling? Like, what is this? Like, you know, we're doing this. We know we, sh- we shouldn't have these things happen. And so this is whole struggle. Like, how do you reconcile? Because we're under grace. It was like this whole, like, theological conversation. And the, the part that God really spoke to in me was my view of, the, of God. Because you can grow up. You can go to church all the time. You can hear people sacrifice. You can hear how amazing God's love is. But when you also grow up in church and you're pretty just have a consistent life that, you know, there's the, the verse in one of the gospels. That's how prepared I am for this one. Um, where, where the, there's a, there's a lady that's crying over Jesus's feet and he, and she's washing his feet with her hair and all the Pharisees are like, how could you let her do that? And he says, you know, those that have a huge gap and have more failure have so much more appreciation for the grace of what I'm giving them and for my love. And I was like, that I get because I don't feel that revelation right now, but I don't think the solution is just to mess up a bunch to like arbitrarily have this gap. And so we're having this conversation about do we step outside? What happens when these sorts of things, when we're struggling with like really real issues? And he reminded me in Genesis. This is so we're gonna go into Genesis three, eight to eleven, and this is right after uh, Adam and Eve sin. So like everything had been set up. There's this beautiful moment. Creation happened. They're walking with God in the garden. They're living their life, and God said, "Do whatever you want. You have a responsibility. Do these things. Name these things. You know, love this land, but just don't do this one thing. There's just one thing. The garden had all this opportunity, but one thing not to do." And like good humans, it's the one thing 
that we don't want that we want. Yeah. And so in Genesis 3, 8 to 11, right after they sinned, when the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord walking around in the garden. So they hid from the Lord among the trees. Then the Lord called to the man and said, where are you? He replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. Who told you that you were naked? The Lord asked, have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? So at this moment of the collapse of the initial dream that God had for humanity, this is the moment where he's like, ah, oh, I had this all planned. And it like, ah, oh, this pain I'm imagining because I would have pain of something I created so quickly went against the one thing. So those, those actions had consequences. But if we jump a little bit further to verse 321, so this is right before they were sort of escorted out of the garden and the garden was closed. God said, and the Lord God made clothing from animal skins for Adam and his wife. God was so concerned about their comfort right after their failure because the only fear that's noted is he said, I hate because I was afraid I was naked. And God said, I, I see your fear. Let me comfort you in that. And this isn't New Testament. This isn't the gospel of Jesus. This is the original, not that they're different, but this is like Old Testament God right in the beginning. And he was so concerned about their comfort and their peace. It didn't mean the consequences weren't there. It just meant... He wanted them to have peace. At the moment of the greatest weakness of humanity, at the peak of shame for Adam and Eve, God still comforted their greatest fear. So this is my takeaway. This is how much I love you. It's sort of been like this consistent thing every couple of weeks that I've heard God say in little interactions, in little moments, and I hear it less and less the more I get distracted and the less I focus on him. But when you have, when you get this new revelation that you are loved first and called second, it shifts every other part. It shifts your prayer life because it no longer feels like I should pray because I have this relationship, but it's, I'm so loved. I want to be here. And it's one of those things that you can't, I can't talk you through it because that's the revelation yeah. that you have to get. So this morning, what I really want the takeaway to be is I want to create an opportunity for us to ask God for a new revelation of his love. In Luke 11, 12 to 13 in the Passion Translation, it says, do you know of any father who would give his daughter a spider when she asked for an egg? Of course not, of course not. If imperfect parents know how to lovingly take care of their children and give them what they need, how much more would a perfect heavenly father give the Holy Spirit's fullness when his children ask him. So how do you tangibly pursue this? There's a couple things. Number one, you're gonna ask. You have to ask, that's the first step. It's a good start. And it says if you pursue it, he will give it. So it takes pursuit. And I can't stand here and say, if you ask God, give me a new revelation of your love, that it'll immediately happen. I can't tell you that. What I can tell you is if you pursue it, it'll happen. If you pursue it, it'll come. And the second part, that I found incredibly helpful in this is because even once you get it, unless you keep walking in it, you, not that you lose it, but you can forget it. Life gets busy. Things happen. Yeah. 
So start tracking all the good things that happen. This is a very tangible, practical opportunity. Write down every night. What are you grateful for? What has God done in your life today? It's not that he might not be moving. It might be that you're not aware. There might be things happening in your world that you're just not attributing to God. You're like, oh, that was such a lovely coincidence. I, had, I, um, I was in, two weeks ago, I went to, uh, um, to Boston to visit a client. And on the way back, my flight got delayed. I went from Boston, Toronto, Toronto, Vancouver. And this is some, one of those moments that like only this morning in worship, God's like, and this is how much I love you. And I was like, oh man, I didn't even like attribute that. But we're, you know, a flight, I woke up at 9 a.m. My flight was at 4 p.m. It got delayed already at 9 a.m., 9.30, 11, 11.30, like every half hour they kept delaying it. But what can you do? You know, planes are planes. There's snow or something. And uh, checked in, just waited, kept getting delayed. But then my connection got delayed and it kept being like staggering. And when I, when I finally checked in, I asked, so do you give me a hotel in Toronto or like what happens if it's the next day? They're like, well, you're gonna have to ask them there. I'm like, cool, sounds good, we'll figure it out. What can you do? And so we get there and like for so long, the flights were, there's like an hour of my layover and then they, they delayed it and it was like two minute to clear customs and run across. And I'm like, maybe not. Then there were, all of a sudden there was 45 minutes. I'm like, maybe. Then it was like an hour and a half the other way. And I'm like, okay, probably not now. So we gave up on that dream and <laughs> Uh, we finally land in Toronto, and this is the best experience I've ever had with an airline, because they all suck. Um, they all have the same slogan, we're not happy till you're not happy. And I get, I, they're like, before, <laughs> before I get off the bridge, they have a stack of envelopes for everyone. And those envelopes had a hotel voucher, transport to and from the hotel, meal vouchers, and your next boarding pass. And I was like, wow. <laughs> it actually left only eight minutes late the next morning. But it was one of those things where I'm like, wow, I just, life's so good. Maybe if you care less, it's better. That wasn't the outcome. This morning, God's like, and that's how much I love you. Like there's these, not that it really mattered, but it mattered because it was this expression of favor and love and the little things that were inconveniencing me, just something little. I see you there, Scott, would you join me? Amazing. I did not plan for this, but I hear the, the doves from above on the guitar strings help. <laughs> so this, yeah, this morning, I just wanna create an opportunity for us, if you, if you feel like maybe your prayer, maybe your generosity, maybe your joy, maybe your self-control, maybe something in your life you're feeling like this is an obligation, this is taking a lot of personal strength. Maybe it's the, you, you feel like there's a dream that you've had that you've, you know, I, I think if we're talking about wells, everybody probably has something in their mind that they're like, oh, that's the thing to start redigging. I encourage you if to not do it in your own strength. And for me, the thing that changed everything was this one, was this opportunity to have this revelation of being loved first and called second. I'm gonna bring back the verse in Luke. Do you know of any father who would give his daughter a spider when she asked for an egg? Of course not. And perfect parents know how to lovingly take care of their children. 
and give them what they need, how much more will the perfect Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit's fullness when His children ask? Thanks for tuning in today. Each week, we gather in cities across our region and online to explore the truth of freedom available to all in the message of Jesus Christ. To find a gathering near you or to find out more, head to c3church.ca. Thank you.